0: You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is Monday, April 12th, which means it is the first day of Ramadan. So Ramadan Mubarak to all my Muslim friends out there and respect to anyone who can get through a month of fasting in 2021. I mean, right now the world is so stressful, I've given up on keeping track of time by days. Now I just go by the number of Oreo sleeves I've eaten. One, two, three, four, five, six. Mon it's Monday! Today is Monday. Anyway, coming up on tonight's show, Matt Gates may be Venmoing his way to prison. Dulce Sloan finds out what racial slurs you can't use in Scrabble anymore, and a police shooting trial is interrupted by a police shooting. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show.
1: From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world. This is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition.
0: Let's kick things off with this weekend's sad news for the British royal family. And no, they didn't get another black grandchild. I'm talking about the death of Prince Philip at age 99. And as heartbroken as I'm sure you were, it was nothing compared to how some people felt
2: for a tribe in the pacific islands prince philip's death is also difficult villagers believed him to be a god and he maintained a relationship with them for decades on tana one of dozens of islands that make up the pacific nation of vanuatu it's a place of mourning right now for a prince half a world away for the past 50 years villagers here have regarded prince philip as a god And Philip, known at times for his off-color remarks and gaffes, maintained a respectful relationship with them over several decades, sending them gifts. Some were even invited for a visit to the UK. Anthropologists say there was a legend in Vanuatu in the 60s that a pale-skinned son of a mountain god would travel across the seas and marry a rich and powerful woman. Villagers would have likely seen pictures of Philip and the queen in government offices. Somehow, the connection stuck. That's
0: right. While to many people, Prince Philip was just that mean dude on the crown, to these Pacific Islanders, he was literally a god. And I know that may seem silly, but honestly, it's not any weirder than how the British saw him. Oh my God, these silly villagers. He's not a god, he's a prince, which is a real thing that we didn't make up. My only issue with Philip being a God is that the guy said a lot of racist and xenophobic things over the years. I mean, how do they deal with that in church every Sunday? We will now read from the book of Philip. Okay, not that page. Maybe the, okay, no, no, not that one. (laughs) You know what, let's just go straight to communion. Fish and chips for everyone. Now, you know, the thing I found interesting is that they chose him as their God because their legend said a God with pale skin would marry a rich woman. And if that's true, well, then good news, guys, because I have found a new god for you. You know what's gonna be awkward? Is if Prince Charles tries to take his dad's place now. Well, now that my father is gone, I guess you will be looking for a new deity. Ah, uh, you know what, we're good. We're just gonna convert to Buddhism. Thank you, though. Moving on now to political news, Matt Gates. Florida Congressman and fraternity brother who wants to show you something in his room has been under fire since news broke of him being under investigation over possible sex trafficking. But like a Karen in a bath and body works, he refuses to back down.
3: Tonight, Florida Congressman Matt Gaetz defiant. I'm built
2: for the battle and I'm not going anywhere.
3: The House Ethics Committee launching a new bipartisan investigation into Gates, examining allegations of sexual misconduct, illicit drug use and accusations that the congressman may have shared inappropriate and explicit images on the House floor. The Justice Department investigating whether Gates and his associate Joel Greenberg paid women who were allegedly recruited online for sex and travel.
1: According to the Daily Beast, Gates sent Joel Greenberg $900 in two late-night Venmo transactions in 2018. Greenberg used the same app to send three young women, including one who had recently turned 18, varying sums of money that amounted to $900. Greenberg made the payments to the three young women with the descriptions tuition, school, and school.
0: Okay, we have to wait for all the facts to come in, but you have to agree, this is not a good look for Matt Gates. He Venmos $900 to his sleazy friend, and then that same friend Venmos it to three young women for tuition? $300 for tuition? Yo, this is how much college education you can afford with $300. Welcome everybody to Physics 101. But at the same time, it looks like Matt Gates is so stupid that he might have paid girls for sex on Venmo. And I mean, you think you know a guy. And then it turns out, yeah, you're totally right. You do know him. You know him pretty well. Now, the reason I don't think it was for tuition is because he wrote tuition. People, nobody writes the real thing for a Venmo payment, all right? You always write something funny or weird, like for butt medicine. If these guys wanted to hide that they were paying for sex, they should have actually written money for sex. Then people would have been like, well, obviously the money wasn't for sex. It was probably for his butt medicine. And honestly, most people don't even use actual words on Venmo, right? You just use emojis. You'd think a guy who hangs out with teens would know that. And emojis actually make the most sense if you're trying to cover something up. That's how I got away with clown face, Belgian flag, sushi dolphin without the feds ever finding out. But let's check in now on Iran the last country that America needs to get tic-tac-toe. Iran has been racing to enrich as much uranium as it can while talks over its nuclear program continue. But it just hit a bit of a snag.
2: A developing story overseas concerning Iran's nuclear program. An incident at one of Iran's uranium enrichment sites triggered a power outage, and there are suggestions that Israel is behind the sabotage.
1: It comes a day after Iran started testing its newest, most advanced nuclear centrifuge. American intelligence officials say
3: the site could be out of business for months. Iran may be pointing the finger directly at Israel, but Israel is not officially commenting as of yet on what happened. However, we have seen some possible hints in the last 24 hours. Israeli media, for their part, are citing unnamed sources saying that it was the Israeli Mossad agency behind this attack. And we've seen some comments from Israeli officials that seem to hint at that some sort of involvement.
0: Damn, again? They did this again. Yo, how does Israel keep wrecking Iran's shit like this? They sabotaged the centrifuges, they assassinated scientists, and now they shut down an entire plant? I mean, we know they probably have people on the inside. We, I, that, you, you don't need to be a genius to figure that out. But now, I'm starting to think that Iran's entire nuclear program is just Israeli spies. I mean, it's probably a giveaway that they gave everyone the day off for Passover. That was probably a sign, right? But apparently, this blackout was an incredibly complicated operation. You see, what they did was, Israeli agents took the whole nuclear site and plugged it into the Texas power grid. Honestly, they may never get it back online. The one silver lining for Iranian nuclear scientists is that they can always blame Israel if they screw up on the job, you're two hours late for work, Paviz. Arhajan, it's not my fault. Israel forgot to set my alarm clock. Oh, okay, then don't worry about it. Oh, and by the way, Israel ate your yogurt from the fridge. Oh, those Israelis. Now, while Iran's nuclear program may be on hold, one thing that's definitely not on hold is coronavirus. It's the pandemic that keeps on going long after it should, like a zombie on The Walking Dead, or just The Walking Dead. Even as millions of Americans are getting vaccinated every day, there are places where coronavirus is still as out of control as a Zoom kindergarten. And no state has it worse right now than Michigan.
3: As new cases of COVID-19 surge in Michigan, state leaders are begging for a surge Of vaccines, Think about surging vaccines into the state of Michigan.
2: Some national health experts are rallying behind them. We need to
1: get in the habit of trying to surge resources into those hotspots.
2: And Michigan is a hotspot. COVID-19 positivity rates haven't been this high here since the start of the pandemic. And hospitalizations are nearing peak levels. The Biden administration so far sticking to its plan of doling out vaccines based on population.
0: When you take it away from one state, You never know where you're gonna have another surge. Okay, look, this is a complicated situation, but I don't know if the Biden administration's logic makes sense here. You can't move vaccines from other states because they might get a surge? Yo, Michigan has a surge right now. That's like having a rhino on the loose and animal control says, sorry, we can't help you because if we come over there, a hippo might pop up over here. We can't take the risk. If you ask me, The simplest and fairest way to decide where the vaccines should go is you get a giant map of the United States and then you have Dr. Fauci throw a dot at it. Yeah, and with the way he throws, some doses might finally go to Africa. Yes, we did it, Africa! Oh, and now the CDC is saying that instead of more vaccines, what Michigan needs is another shutdown. But instead, Governor Whitmer is just suggesting that people stop gathering in groups and going to restaurants. I know a lot of people are like, why would you do that, governor? Why not do something stronger? Yo, in the governor's defense, don't forget the last time she tried to mandate safety precautions, the state capitol got stormed and a bunch of crazy people tried to kidnap her. So I can see why this time she's like, you know what? You guys do your own thing. <laughs> I'm not trying to get killed because you motherfuckers don't want to order takeout. And here's why the CDC says more vaccines aren't the solution. If a community starts getting vaxxed up now, it'll still take six weeks before people there have immunity, which means it's far more important for people who are still waiting for the vaccine to just continue wearing masks. And while this should be easy for most people to understand, well, Florida still exists.
1: A new study found continued mask use could save 14,000 lives across the U.S. They say even the vaccinated should wear masks because of new COVID strains.
0: But down in Florida, defiance in Fort Lauderdale, where a crowd in the hundreds gathered
2: for what was billed as a million maskless march, burning their face coverings. All while Florida continues to see increases in cases and deaths, experts pointing to mostly maskless spring break celebrations as a factor.
0: Wow. What a dream protest for Trump supporters. You get to destroy your mask and increase carbon emissions. Woo! And in fact, according to a new poll, burning pile of masks is now the front runner in Florida's next Senate race. For real though, people, this, this protest was ridiculous. Especially at the end when Matt Gates threw his phone into the fire. I mean, that was just weird. Why would he? Oh. On the other hand though, we are talking about Florida here. So I'm just impressed that they took off their masks before they lit them on fire. Oh, and just by the way, can you please stop calling your shit Million Something March, right? If you're not gonna get a million people, then don't use the name. What you should do is call it the 12-person March so that when 40 people show up, we'll all be like, damn, look at that turnout, woo! But let's move on now to our main story, policing in America. We are now entering week three in the trial of Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd. And it says just about all you need to know that even as the trial is going on, protests are raging once again in Minneapolis over the killing of another unarmed black man, Dante Wright.
1: Overnight, protests erupted in Brooklyn Center, a suburb of Minneapolis, after a fatal police shooting of a black man during a traffic stop. The Minnesota National Guard deployed police, deploying tear gas to clear the crowds. Police say officers tried to arrest a driver on an outstanding warrant when the man tried to get back into his vehicle. That's when police say an officer shot him.
3: According to the police
2: chief, the officer was attempting to draw her taser, but accidentally pulled her gun and fired it.
0: You have got to be kidding me. A man was killed at a traffic stop because the police officer mixed up their gun and their taser? Is that, is that even supposed to be a legitimate excuse? Like, we're supposed to watch that and go, ah, oh, okay, one time I used sugar instead of salt so I can relate. And look, I'm not saying that tragic mistakes will never happen, but what I am saying is that maybe if the police weren't so quick to draw any weapon, then maybe people wouldn't die because of a mix-up from Officer Urkel over here. And by the way, don't you find it amazing that cops think everything is a gun except their own gun? If you have a cell phone in your hand, oh, that's a gun. If you're holding a wallet, oh, that's a gun. Their own gun, no, not a gun, not a gun. And even if it was just a mistake, that's not a mistake that you just forgive and walk away. Especially since you know the people jumping to her defense for using a gun instead of a taser, those are the same people who want their waiter fired for bringing them a regular Coke instead of diet. Now, regardless of the specifics of how it happens, incidents involving police getting out of control with black suspects are still far too common. And you know that because this shooting in Minnesota isn't the only example of police brutality people are talking about today.
3: Developing this morning in the state of Virginia, the governor there is calling for an independent investigation after the release of a disturbing police body cam video. It shows officers drawing their guns on an army lieutenant in uniform and pepper spraying him during a traffic stop that took place last December. That army lieutenant says the two officers violated his constitutional rights, now one of those officers has been fired. Put your hands out the
1: window! A Windsor police officer says in his report he spotted a vehicle with dark tinted windows and no license plate displayed that was eluding police. Though a lawsuit says a paper license plate was visible in the rear window of the new car. Nazario admits in his complaint that he didn't immediately pull over, driving nearly two minutes with his hazard lights on so he could stop at a well-lit gas station. What's going get out on? Car now! What's going Nazario, on? who is black and Latino and was wearing What's his military uniform, asks repeatedly why he's being detained. I'm serving this country and this is how I'm treated. What's going on? You're fixing to ride the lightning, son. And then this exchange. I'm honestly afraid to get out. Can I? Yeah, you, you should be. Get out. Back up. Whoa, Officer Joe go Gutierrez go then pepper on. sprays Nazario in the face. Hold on. Hold on. That's up.
0: This is up. Lieutenant Nazario had his hands hanging out of the window, but he still got threatened. He still got pepper sprayed, and he still got thrown on the ground. And the whole time, mind you, the whole time, these cops are saying the craziest shit to him. You should be scared. Oh, you're fixing to ride the lightning. How the is that professional? Ride the lightning? You're not hyping a ride at Six Flags, man. You're dealing with someone's life. And how crazy is it that this driver, think about it, he knew to get to a gas station so that he would have decent lighting for the encounter. Imagine, just think about that for a moment. Police brutality has forced everyday black Americans to become lighting experts. Oh yeah, the lighting here is great. You'll be able to see the cops whip my ass. This is much better. And don't forget, please don't forget, This is how cops treated one of the troops, huh? The troops while he was wearing his uniform, not a hoodie, not baggy pants. So what's the excuse this time, huh? I mean, if a black man in military uniform can't get humane treatment from the police, then what chance does every other black person in America have? I mean, at this point, black people should just start singing the Star Spangled Banner when they get pulled over. Then maybe, just maybe the cops will be like, well, I don't wanna wanna pepper spray the anthem. What do I do? But if you're surprised that a member of the military is having his rights abused, then you need to understand the police don't give a shit. They don't care if you're a member of the military. They don't care if you're a beloved member of the community. They don't care if you're recording them shit. They don't even care if they're recording themselves. And the reason they don't care is because they know they're gonna get away with it. And until that changes, they're just gonna keep not caring. All right, when we come back, Dulce Sloan finds out if you can use the N-word in Scrabble. And Miguel is still joining us on the show, so don't go away. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Over the past year, it seems like every American company has taken steps to advance racial progress, from children's books to pancake syrups, and now even a board game. Dulce Sloan has more.
3: Scrabble. It's the game that's missing pieces in the Airbnb you rent, but it turns out people do play it. And right now they're having some drama.
2: The North American Scrabble Players Association may soon get rid of offensive terms from its official word list.
3: Hold up, they're only getting rid of slurs now? So words that could get you kicked off of Twitter used to help you win a Scrabble tournament? I asked tournament player Lisa Odom why she supported the ban. I mean, playing at home, I don't think you're as aware that th- those words are allowed. But when you're in a club situation or a tournament situation, they're, they're definitely allowed there. Everyone has that initial shock and then you kind of explain. And, but then I was like, why don't we have to give them that shock? And, you know, do they really need to be in the game? Now, I know you want to take them out, but is it because they're offensive or is it because you're trying to make sure other people don't get more points than you? This is a safe space, you tell them. I mean, if they're, if they're not there for me, they're not there for you. And so then we would have to make the next plus play without it. What if only people in that group that the slurs are against play the words? No, no, I don't agree. So what kind of slurs are we talking about? To find out, I chatted with Will Anderson, 2017 North American Scrabble champion and NASPA veteran.
2: So the words that we've specifically targeted are ones that are um, racial, ethnic, gender, anything relating to a person's identity.
3: Okay, let's take a look at the list. Graybeard, isn't that a Game of Thrones family?
2: I think graybeard is like an ageist word.
3: What is Pepsi? Is that a term for black people?
2: Uh, it's actually an offensive word for French Canadian people.
3: Then if you have super bitch, you need to put mega bitch on there as well.
2: <laughs> I, I, that one, I honestly have no idea why that's here.
3: The list is 255 words long, and they're so bad, we can't even show them to you. Wow, people are awful. And it's not surprising which demographic gets the most words. What the hell is a blackamoor?
2: Blackamoor is an archaic word for a black person.
3: Okay, we've got Darkie, Jigaboo, Mulatto, pickaninny, Schwarz. Honestly, it's nice to see that white people took a lot of time to call black people a lot of different things. So, Will, what kind of person would play an offensive slur just to win a board game?
2: Uh, well, in my very, very first tournament, I played the C word against an elderly woman.
3: To an 80-year-old uh, to woman? To
2: a very elderly woman. I had a lot of consonants, and it scored well, and she... Didn't bat an eye.
3: Now, after that, did she play the word micropenis? Did that happen? (laughs) And why were all these words even used in Scrabble tournaments right up until the year 2020?
2: I don't think anybody approves of the use of slurs to offend or demean other people in the Scrabble community. But once you're a tournament Scrabble player for long enough, The definitions of the words almost cease to matter to us at all. It's just that the words are playing pieces.
3: But if a word is just a word, would someone be so bold to play the N-word when Um, my melanated self is sitting across from this table with these tiles in my hand, you know?
2: A lot of people felt that that's the one that we can all agree shouldn't be in there. If we're doing the wrong thing, then we should change it because it's the correct choice for us to do.
3: Okay, so a ban on the N-word especially seems reasonable, but surprisingly, some people disagree. Like Randall Kennedy, the author of, oh, wow, that's bold. Okay, so um, I'm just, whew, I'm glad to see you're black. So you disagree with the decision to take the slurs out of tournament play. If we're talking about
1: Scrabble, you know what's the purpose of the game? The purpose of the game is for people to identify words and there's points attached to identifying the words. Well, is the N word or the S word or the F word,
3: are those words? The answer is, yeah, they're words. Well, if they're words, why not use them in this game? Okay, so if you're sitting across from someone playing a nice little game of Scrabble on a Sunday afternoon and someone laid down the N word, you wouldn't be offended.
1: No. You know, if, if someone was using the infamous N-word to demean somebody, I would say repress it. But that's not what's going on here. I think we need to be very careful even the, the use of the word use. Are they using the word or are they simply reciting somebody else's use of the word?
3: You just lawyered me. No, 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 no. You just lawyered me. That's what just happened. Because now we're in a court of law and it's like, Your Honor, I did customer service for a long time. Customer service and lawyering is the same thing, Dr. Kennedy. Well, one
1: thing that concerns me is actually empowering words that can be used in a hateful way by making
3: them taboo. Maybe Professor Kennedy has a point about giving the N-word too much power. But if you ask me, why use a word that invokes centuries of racist hatred and oppression to score point when there are plenty of non-offensive words you can use? What the f-? Dulce, stop, seriously, it's, uh, it's not funny. Sorry, Carrot Top, you're not on the bad list.
0: Thank you so much, Dulce. All right, when we come back, the incredible Miguel will be joining us on the show to talk about his brand new EP so stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. My guest tonight is Grammy Award-winning artist Miguel. We talk about what he's been up to over the last couple of years, his brand new EP, and so much more. Miguel, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. You know, um, you're one of those people who sticks in my memory because you're one of the memories I have pre-pandemic of enjoying life, going out with other human beings, and it's because I saw your performance at Coachella. I remember how crazy it was, it was amazing. You know, like, you were were rocking it, and we were all outside, and you you take those things for granted. I remember being like, man, there's too many people here. And now I dream for a day when there'll be too many people again. As somebody who spent so many years entertaining human beings on stage, what has it been like for you not being on stage for this long? It's
4: been such a weird, Groundhog Day. I thought I, I really thought I wanted to take a break from touring, and then I felt really responsible when it all happened. It was like we can't. And I was like, oh, my bad. I did this. Was this my fault? But um, right, right, right. Yeah. Now it's like you know, it's definitely something I miss the most, and and just also the the things that you can't you can't convey through a screen you know like energy of a crowd is just a that feeling is is unanimous you know right. Like, right. it's it's just hard to capture but you know we're all doing our best and I'm really grateful to you know to to see that and know that our family was okay and just you know hope the best for everyone who who had to deal with any of the tragedy
0: because it's just a lot of tragedy over the last year you you you're one of those artists who's who's just like you've inhabited the space that is unique you know it's not very often that an artist comes along where they, they create their own niche that can't easily be filled by somebody else. And people have tried to place you. They go like, oh, he, he reminds us of Prince, or, or maybe, it's, maybe it's a little bit of this, but it's Miguel. That's really what it is. It's Miguel. And for fans of yours like myself, 2017 was the last time we got our dose of Miguel. It has been a long, long time since then, especially because of the pandemic. And now finally, I'm hearing good news, and that is Miguel is back in the music. We saw the drop, Artita Chic, volume four. Tell me about why you thought now was the right time to drop the music.
4: Yeah, it's just been such a long time. Um, was trying to figure out what was real to share, because I think that's, that's pretty much what I always start with, and I, I try my best to, to, to have offerings that you know reveal something new about me. And as much as I love to have fun and I want to you know help add to those moments for other people, I just feel like there's a, a ton of reality that we're all sort of processing in real time and we're seeing how important it is to sort of just be honest because I think that's what gets us to human empathy like right. honesty right? right have so much to do with each other so I just felt like the best thing I could do and, and and the best way to be of service was to do what I do best and hopefully give people music that allows them to feel like or, or reminds them that it's it's normal and natural to to you know sort of feel the pressure of society of social media to smile in the face of you know everything that we're dealing with when in reality there's so many things happening for everyone behind the scenes that we don't share that affects us and and makes it a challenge so I just kind of wanted to you know it's really coming from a place of how can I be of service
0: and um yeah I I think music is always going to be that first place for me What's, what's really fascinating to me about Art Dealer Chic is like your, your EPs have always felt like a different avenue to express yourself. What do you think it is about the EPs versus the albums that gives you the opportunity to give us an unfiltered taste of Miguel? It's probably,
4: uh, yeah, I think it's probably the, the name, Art Dealer Chic and the concept behind it. And, and that really just is, is about choosing and curating the way that we think or um, act. Um, the way that we feel and being being at the helm of that as opposed to sort of being on autopilot or, um, you know, sort of succumbing to any pressures. It's just like really about the freedom of choice. And because that's sort of the premise of the whole, you know, EP offering, it's, it's just a place that feels like, you know, it's really easy to do. And my fans yeah. expect it, so it's it's really beautiful. It's awesome.
0: But you. It feels like you're doing everything. It feels like you're comfortable doing everything, which is what I really enjoy about watching you work. You know, whether, whether it's creating new music, whether it's working with Rihanna for for Fenty, um, even to things, even to things like being a mental health advocate. I mean, that that a few years ago wasn't the sexiest thing in the world. But you were someone who came out. Or you you you've always talked about therapy, whether it's for couples or for individuals. You you've always talked about you know um, preserving your mental health. I'd love to know why you felt like no as miguel i'm not just going to keep the enigma around mental health going i will keep myself that but but talking about mental health is something that i'm going to instill in everybody why why did you feel the need to do that i mean
4: the the real thing is a platform to reach people you start to realize that there's opportunity to help somebody somewhere and um i guess just 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 not wanting to take that for granted and realize there's a kid like me somewhere that grew up in some neighborhood that was underprivileged like I was or came from a you know broken family or is of mixed heritage like I am or you know just all the different things that you could be because everyone's yeah. dealing with something you know I, I would have loved to to have someone reminding me that I have the choice to choose the way that I see the world, how I face with the world that you know the way that i learned how to deal with things you know you can choose better ways you can write those things are it, that's the thing is like we get operating systems on our phones like every two i don't know two months now or something like that and you know w- what's the personal operating system upgrade yeah oh and i think the earlier we can instill that in you know other you know younger kids or younger people the more likely they're 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 going to be at building and curating their own mindset as they get up and hopefully, you know, a happier, more fulfilled people. That's, that's the future. So I just think of that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, man. I, I, I appreciate it, honestly. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate what you speak on. I appreciate the, the music that you put out. I appreciate you being you because it's just like, it's, I think it's inspiring to see people who, who work at being comfortable being themselves because I think it inspires everyone to try and do the same thing. So uh, I'm excited. Thank you for the music. Thank Generally, you. Whenever we get a, 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 an Art Dealer Chic, it means there's a Miguel album coming up. I, I know you're not gonna say anything, so I'm just gonna assume that, and I'm gonna be ready for it. But in the meantime, I'm gonna be listening to this. I'm gonna be enjoying it. Keep doing you, Miguel. Thank you so much for joining me on the show.
4: Appreciate you. We watch you every segment. Thank you so much, man, for the information and
0: the laughs. It's a much appreciated, brother. I appreciate you, my dude. All right. Don't forget, Art Dealer Chic Volume 4 is available now. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, COVID vaccination efforts are underway across the globe. And to do your part, please consider supporting UNICEF. They're coordinating the delivery of two billion COVID-19 vaccine doses to more than 180 countries this year, with special attention to low-income countries, humanitarian settings, and war zones. By supporting UNICEF, you're supporting equitable vaccine distribution, testing, and treatments, and on top of that, you are helping to save lives. So please, if you're able to in any way, then go to the link below and donate what you can. Until tomorrow, wear a mask, get your vaccine, and remember, instead of using Venmo to pay for crimes, try cash. It's like Venmo, but paper. Or even better, don't commit the crime.